Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Just correct my audio levels if I'm yelling and screaming because of the horrendous audio out of these cheap headphones. Those of you watching the live stream yesterday, you got to see the uh, the floppy headphone ear thing as I snapped my good headphones while I was on air. By the way, we need a headphone sponsor. No radio station should be without a headphone sponsor. You know how many headphones we lose, break, burn through? Like We need a sponsor like ASAP. So if somebody could work on that, that would be great. Talking to you sales guys. <clears throat> Want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, I'm going to give you uh, an old story that I've told you a million times, but... There's always new people listening, and it's always nice to remind people of this story. And occasionally I get messages, and they will ask me if this story is real. Uh, This story is 100% real, okay? And this is just designed as an illustration of how bad politics and corruption are. And then we're going to go into what a member of Congress recently said on a podcast that has all of Washington, D.C. really upset And the reasons that Washington, D.C. are upset should scare you. We'll talk about that here in a second. But let me me tell you the story. So, true story. um, Back in Las Vegas, where I ran that town in the media. Back in Las Vegas. Casey, what proof do you have? None. Social media didn't exist. (laughs) No proof. But I, I would obviously get invited to events and some of these events were you know politically related and there's different groups and things like that kind of like you're starting to see some of those groups pop up here in town and they're starting to have these meetings and these events and and you have these speakers and all of that stuff so i go there and there is a local state representative who is there okay so that he goes to the state representative uh state legislature should say in in nevada all right and he's given a speech about his first day in office. Now, he was a small business owner, uh, wasn't wealthy, wasn't poor, did well for himself, but wasn't extravagant. You know, nice home, nice car, could pay for his kids' college, you know, but it was a struggle to pay for the kids' college. You get catch my meaning? But he, uh, he ran because it was a point where the kids were out of the house. He had time, he could run, and he felt that he could make a difference as a small business owner in dealing with some of the fiscal issues that the state was dealing with at the time. So he ran for office, and he won. And he goes to uh, to Carson City, Nevada. It's the capital of Nevada. I know some of you are shocked it's not Las Vegas. No, not Las Vegas, Carson City. So he goes to Carson City in the capital, and he goes into his office on the very first day. And his uh, executive assistant, okay, won't even refer to her as a secretary. Executive assistant says, hey, you've got a meeting. And he's like, hey, what are you talking about? I just got here. She goes, you got a meeting in the morning, and she gave him the time or whatever. And he's like, okay, let me just grab some stuff and get settled into my office. Uh, They sent a car for him, okay? Now, he says that he doesn't know who these people are, whatever, you know, their affiliations are, but they sent him a car, and and she had informed him that they're going to be important for some upcoming legislation. They want to talk to him about it, try and woo him, that sort of thing. So he goes downstairs. He gets in the car. When the car arrives, the car takes him to the airport. Now, what you don't always understand, for those of you who may not be familiar, is that airports have, you know, the commercial hub, and then sometimes they will have a a private hub. And the private hub is where you have your personal planes and that sort of thing. Like in this area, we've got two different airports, but in a lot of places, it's one airport, different areas of the airport, okay? And it's that way in Carson City. So he goes and, and he 
goes to the airport. They take him to an airplane hangar. In the airplane hangar, they say that they want to show him something. He says, at this point, I'm getting a little nervous. He goes, it's, it's a little strange. I expected to be taken to like a restaurant or something like that where business meetings happen. And he's at an airport getting ready to walk into an airplane hangar. This is obviously not normal. They open the hangar and they take him inside. And inside the hangar are pallets of cash, electronics, precious items, cars, that sort of thing. And they look at him and they're like, look at all this. And he's like, okay, pretty cool. Yeah, whatever. And they're like, what do you want? And he he says, okay, I'm just, I'm taking this guy at his word. If he's telling the story, I'm assuming he's telling the truth. Okay. He's like, what do you mean? Like, well, we need your support on this zoning legislation. And if you will vote to rezone this, you can have anything in this warehouse that you want. And he says that they knew about his kids and their college and, and that sort of thing. And so they kind of steered him towards the pallet of cash, it's the easiest thing to hide, that sort of stuff, right? And he says he didn't take it. He says he didn't take it. But when he was telling the story, he goes, look, I want, I want you to be in the perspective of somebody who's just going to, you know, this is just the state legislature. This isn't Congress. Can imagine what they're being offered in Congress? I'm just a state representative, not even a state senator. And if they vote for the zoning change, right, how does that really hurt him? You know, it's just a zoning change. Right, Josh? Just a zoning change. Just a little zoning change, right? That's it. No big deal. It's a zoning change. First day in office, and he's already paid off his daughter's student loans if he takes the deal, right? Which he says he didn't do. But the way that he told the stories is like, imagine yourself in a situation where it's just a little zoning change. And they can get you out of debt pay for your kid's college education. Your kid will never be saddled with that debt. And all you have to do on one tiny little bill is vote to change the zoning ordinance. He's like, how many of you would take it? Now, of course, everybody in the crowd, I wouldn't take it. Right. Yeah, right. 99% of you out there in this audience would take that deal any day of the week. If we're all honest with ourselves, you take the deal, right? Here's the problem. If you take the deal, The next time they need you, it won't be a zoning change. And they've already got you taking something for your vote. They've got you dead to rights. And a lot of people probably don't think about that. So I tell this story because this is one, I believe that it happened. Based on the details of the story and who this gentleman was, and I'm not going to throw him under the bus. This was a, a private meeting that he had with a group of people and, um, this is this is a respectable individual, okay? And I, I believe everything that he said. Uh, I, I Assuming he didn't take the deal, all right? I'm assuming. If he did take the deal, it wouldn't make sense to tell us about the deal being offered to him, right? But I'm assuming he didn't take the deal. But it was just, it was a story that he used to highlight how corrupt politics are and how easy it is to stray, especially when you're just a normal person. And you're not a millionaire, and you don't go into politics super rich. Now, the reason I tell you this story, and you have heard me tell the stories over and over, and they've come up a lot lately with Judge Jackson's confirmation hearing. The people that I know in Washington, D.C. have told me for a long, long time, a long time, that is a perverted city. And I I don't mean corrupt, okay? It's 100% corrupt, but it's perverted. And I've talked a lot, have I or have I not, Josh? I've talked a lot about judges and the alleged 
extracurricular activities of said judges. And I've been talking about this 12, 13 years when I really started to figure out what was going on. And that's because I know a lot of people in D.C. Some of them have cycled out of D.C. right now. And, and I know that there aren't a lot of people who know a lot of people in D.C., but I know a lot of people in D.C. And the things that I hear from some of these people in D.C. would really freak you out. And I, I say some of them on the air, so you kind of understand what I'm alluding to. And the issue with judges and sexual perversion and depravity are very real. But the other thing is members of Congress, members of the government, they all fall into this category too. Now, I'm going to give a light warning here after the news, this not news break, but this commercial break, because I, we're going to deal with some mature themes, okay? It's not going to be anything that's super lewd or gratuitous. I'm just letting you know that mature themes will come up. And if you don't want to have to define something for a youngling around, or if you're in a work environment, you probably want to put headphones on, okay? So we'll do that after this commercial break because a representative of Congress has said something. They've said something that has Congress really upset. And the reason that they're upset should really scare you. And we'll talk about this coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. So during the commercial break, I was just talking with uh, Josh. One of the first things we bonded on is Josh had asked me about the show House of Cards. Season one of House of Cards. You've heard me reference this many times on the show. Season one of House of Cards is documentary. Okay. It's not drama. It's not fiction. It is documentary based on people who are not real. All right. And I've told you that a lot of people have asked this question. How much of House of Cards is you know really what happens in Washington, D.C.? A lot. Okay. A lot. And that spooks people. So, Representative Madison Cawthorn is a Republican. I think he's from North Carolina, right? Republican of North Carolina. He went on the Warrior Poet Society podcast. And he was asked about this. Now, the, the host of the show, and I don't know the host of the show, I apologize, but the host of the show was saying, you know, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, we started watching this House of Cards show, but it's really disgusting and Really filthy, wasn't our thing, but I wanted to ask you like, how much of that is true and how much of it is just, you know, Hollywood. This is how Representative Cawthorn responded. Cue my audio, please. I want you to pay very close attention to what he says. And then I'm going to tell you why Congress is really mad at him for saying it. So I heard a former president that we had in the 90s was asked a question about this. And he gave an answer that I thought was so true. And he said, the only thing that's not accurate in that show is that you could never get a piece of legislation about, uh, about education passed that quickly. And that's, everything else is good. Aside <laughs> from that, I mean, the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington, I mean, it, being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70, and I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Uh, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Yeah. Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. And then there's also kind of the whole 
espionage aspect to what goes on in Washington of, you know, so many people trade in secrets and there, there's a currency to secrets. And yeah. so uh, it, it's wild. And then, you know, there's members of the, of the, the media, the journalists who kind of will keep nasty stories about you or about other people on a shelf. And then if you're about to kind of speak out against something they don't want you to, they'll come out and say, well, we're about to drop the story of when, you know, 17 years ago you did X, Y, and Z. And you don't want us to drop that story, do you? So we're, we're going to bully you back into this position. Okay. Everybody in Congress is furious at Representative Cawthorn for saying what he just said in that one and a half minutes. Why do you think they're angry at what he said? Now, you just have a, you have a member of Congress, okay? You've got a member of Congress who has just gone on a podcast and said, I have watched people do lines of coke in front of me who are your elected representatives, and I've been invited to parties with uh, adult extracurricular activities with members of Congress who are your representatives. That has happened to me in Washington, D.C., in my time here in Washington, D.C. Now, I I feel the need to point out, this is a young, good-looking dude. He's in a wheelchair, but he's a young, good-looking dude. And there aren't a lot of young, good-looking dudes in Washington, D.C. in Congress, right? I mean, you know, aides and staffers and things like that. But as far as, you know, representatives, not so much. So there's a good chance that he is, uh, shall we say, a hot commodity amongst the uh, swinger circle. Now, you would think that a member of Congress saying this publicly would have congressional leadership going, wait. We got people doing what? Right? Wouldn't you assume that would be the response? It's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. We got people doing lines of coke? We got people having these extracurricular parties? We've got this... Ha- wouldn't, they, wouldn't you think that they would want to bring Representative Cawthorn in and talk to him about who might be doing this sort of stuff so leadership can get a handle on it? To investigate any potential crimes that are happening? Wouldn't you think that that would be the response from congressional leadership? Anyone? Oh, hey, let's take a look at at McCarthy. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of the People's Republic of California, pledged to speak to Representative Madison Cawthorn, Republican of North Carolina, about his allegation that people in D.C. have invited him to, again, adult parties, and done cocaine in front of him after the Republican member expressed frustration with the comments. Why are Republican members expressing frustration with the comments? Representative Steve Womack, Republican of Arkansas, stood up in the House Republican conference meeting on Tuesday to address the comment. According to a source in the room, other members also expressed that they were upset at Cawthorn's allegations. I'm sorry, why are you upset at Cawthorn's allegations and not verifying if the allegations are true? How do you know that he's lying? Maybe he is. But how do you know that he's lying? Wouldn't you want to ask Representative Cawthorn who is doing this in front of you and when did this happen? Wouldn't that be the appropriate response to try and figure out who might be depraved in Congress? One, if they're the opposite political party, you can use that to your advantage to win elections, right? And if they're your party, you can push that person to retire and quietly replace them with your own nominee. So that way you don't have, I don't know, a drug and sex addict who might be compromised in Congress. You know, like Swalwell, 
getting seduced by a Chinese spy. Now we have found out that another Chinese spy, or excuse, was it a Chinese spy or a Russian? I think it was a Chinese spy. Another Chinese spy hit another Democrat. Found that out with last week, week before. In response, McCarthy said that he would speak to Cawthorn about the racy remarks. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Now, Cawthorn's 26 years old. He's a freshman. This is his first term. The response of people to stand up and say, hey, why, why is he airing our dirt? No, they didn't say air during dirty laundry. I'm inferring that they're upset that he's airing dirty laundry. They're saying, why is he saying all of this about our fellow esteemed members of Congress? Do you think maybe if um, Representative Steve Womack, Republican of Arkansas, his first initial reaction is to stand up and get really upset at Representative Cawthorn, you think maybe Representative Steve Womack might be one of the people in question? You think maybe? I don't know anything about Representative Steve Womack, but I know that Representative Steve Womack was really upset about the allegation of people snorting coke and having sex parties in Washington, D.C. He was really upset, and he didn't want to get to the bottom of it. He just wanted Cawthorn to shut up. And even McCarthy, who thinks he's going to be Speaker of the House after the midterm election, he's like, everybody, relax. I'll I'll talk to him, okay? I'll shut him up. I'll I'll sit... Wait, you can't say sit the guy down because he's in a chair. That's something that Joe Biden would do. Okay? Can't Joe Biden did that once. I don't want to make that mistake, too. He's like, okay, I, I will sit down with Representative Cawthorn and I will get him to keep his mouth shut. You realize the response has not been, we're gonna find out if these allegations are true, and if they are true, we're gonna take appropriate steps. McCarthy didn't say that. Representative Womack from Arkansas didn't say that. Other representatives who expressed outrage. Uh, Representative Cawthorn didn't say that. And then I'm reminded, do you remember the uh, the sexual harassment slush fund that Congress kept hidden from all of you for decades? Decades and decades and decades. Republicans and Democrats in Congress hid a slush fund that is used to secretly pay off sexual harassment and sexual assault victims so members of Congress don't have their names smeared all over the news. Do you think maybe Representative Cawthorn is telling the truth here and that's why there's a slush fund and that's why representatives of Congress have been so upset that he is speaking out? Yeah, pay attention to this story. It's not a small one. MSC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impressed Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. i got two studies for you. You've heard one running on the news breaks here on 95.3 MNC. Uh, drinking coffee, something I wouldn't know anything about. <clears throat> drinking coffee, particularly two to three cups a day, like a man, is not only associated with a lower risk of heart disease and dangerous heart rhythms, but also with living longer. According to studies being presented at the American College of Cardiology's 71st Annual Scientific Session, uh, these trends held true for both people with and without cardiovascular disease. Researchers said that the analysis, the largest to look at coffee's potential role in heart disease and death, provide reassurance that coffee isn't tied to new or worsening heart disease and may actually be heart protective. So, 
If you've had one of your 40 COVID shots, may I suggest getting more coffee in your diet? Uh, talk to me about uh, where you can get good coffee. I know a guy. <laughs> can help you out with that. <laughs> in the near future, um, I'm hoping to do um, a lot of pretty cool coffee giveaways, by the way. So that's the latest research in, in that. And this is here's the thing. I, there's coffee studies that go back and forth, right? Um, every coffee study ever done that says coffee is bad for you, that was probably done by a vegan you can't trust anyway. Uh, do we have any scientific evidence of that? No, but I just you can't trust somebody who says the coffee is bad for you because obviously it's not. So this is the biggest one that's been done on it. And they have found that coffee, two to three cups a day, very, very good for you. Which means, I assume, that my uh, two or three pots per day are even better. I'm going to live forever, Josh. Forever. The other study I want to talk about is more fun. This one is alcohol-related. Why is it? that Harvard and MIT will not allow studies that show the benefits of drinking alcohol to be published. <laughs> Why is that? Now, we've known for a long time that, you know, mild and moderate consumption of alcohol can actually be very healthy for you. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form endorsing drinking alcohol. I know that many of you don't, and it's totally fine if you don't. I'm just saying that there's a lot of research that shows that there are tremendous benefits to having like a glass of wine occasionally or a drink occasionally. Uh, certainly binge drinking or getting drunk all the time or drinking too much, very, very bad for you. But there's this is an interesting story. This is at studyfinds.org. Countless people subscribe to the belief that a nightly glass of wine does wonders for the heart and the cardiovascular system. New research from Massachusetts General Hospital, MIT, and Harvard, however, is calling for closing time on theories stating moderate alcohol use is good for the heart. Scientists explain any prior observed scientific connection between the occasional beer or glass of wine and robust cardiovascular health likely resulted from other lifestyle factors usually seen among light to moderate drinkers. Huh? So what MIT, Harvard, and Massachusetts General Hospital are saying is yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the research does show that people who have a glass of wine every night um, have, like, uh, heart-healthy, you know, stuff, but it's not the alcohol's doing. But the research compares and contrasts people with similar lifestyles who don't have a glass of wine and those who do. I'm perplexed. A total of 371,463 adults were examined for this project with the median age being 57 years old, average alcohol consumption on a weekly basis was 9.2 drinks, uh, which is slightly more than one per day. It's worth mentioning that all of this data was originally collected for the UK Biobank, a major and ambitious ongoing biomedical database and research resource collected in-depth genetic and health information. It'll be used to subject the, the uh, I almost said the Ukrainian people, the people of the UK, the British people in the future. But right now we're just using it for science. Uh, similar to prior relevant studies, the research team initially noticed that moderate drinkers tend to show lower rates of heart disease. People who avoided drinking together were more likely to develop heart disease. But heavy drinkers were the most at-risk group by a wide margin. Everybody knows that. Abusing alcohol, very, very bad. Um, but basically what they're saying is uh, we, we just think that it's other life choices than having the wine. And we have found that moderate alcohol consumers tend to be healthier people in general and we think that that's the reason that they have lower uh, heart disease than the other groups because they're just generally health, healthier people anyway. So 
my assumption is that if you do not consume alcohol, this is for that one guy who fantasizes about my kids dying in a DUI. Um, if you don't consume any alcohol, then chances are you lead a very unhealthy lifestyle and you should be ashamed of yourself. So that's according to MIT, okay, Harvard, and Massachusetts General Hospital. That is not according to me. Okay, I wish no ill will on everybody. Um, so whether or not having a glass of wine or a drink once a day can help your heart, they're saying is up for debate because people who tend to do that have a healthier lifestyle outside of that alcohol consumption than people who, who just consume it so or don't consume it. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, if you ask me, why risk it? Have a drink of alcohol and three cups of coffee a day, and you'll be good to go. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. <clears throat> Governor DeSantis showing everybody how they're supposed to be running their governments. I keep tagging the Indiana GOP and everything that DeSantis does on this topic because the Indiana GOP can't get their act together and protect parents and protect kids in the state. DeSantis has officially banned sexual grooming and indoctrination in grades uh, K through 3. This is the didn't say gay bill, which has nothing to do with not saying gay. Uh, we talked about the morons over at the Oscars, the three bimbos who were saying, oh, for you in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, 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 gay. And it's okay. That's not what the bill is about. Once again, in case you're just tuning in, or if you're one of the brainwashed liberal masses out there, all the bill does is not allow sexual teaching uh, from grades K through three. Not traditional, not alternative. It's not about going after LGBT communities or anything like that. It is purely kids who are too young to be taught this stuff are not going to be taught this stuff in class. It's really that simple. And anybody who disagrees with that is probably a pedophile. There, I said it. Uh, it you, are, you are going to struggle mightily to convince me that people who think sexually explicit instruction of a kindergartner is appropriate is not a pedophile. Sorry. It's going to be a very, very tough sell for me if you're going to try and make that case. So he assigned it. Um, we, we can't get the same types of protections in Indiana. The Indiana Republican Party just won't go along with it for various reasons on the Senate side of things. And here's just an example of why I think stuff like this is important. You know, grooming is, is bad. And for those of you who have studied grooming at all or how these, these uh, perverts are able to attack your children, it starts with a simple introduction. And then you introduce more and you normalize and desensitize and then the assault happens. That's how it works. And that's what people are trying to prevent from happening in school. But the other thing, and I talked about this a little bit today on the early show as well, you are trying to steer young populations who don't understand any of this and haven't developed sexually anyway. So they don't know how they feel. They don't know what they're attracted to. They don't know who they are as an individual yet. You don't learn this in third grade or below. This comes a lot later, okay? usually around puberty. You don't learn this in third grade or below. So an adult who has an agenda shouldn't be there manipulating that behavior in order to artificially increase the numbers of a specific group so that group can artificially inflate their political power. And that's what's happening here. You know, a while ago, I did a whole segment 
and just re-listen to it. By the way, some darn good radio, if I do say so myself. I re-listened to my old segment about parents who use their kids as accessories, and it was in large part about this. The entire, you should be able to chemically hurt your child. Okay, I will say that because I know there might be some kids listening. Chemically hurt your child and alter your child's biology when they're a little kid before they can understand any of this. That is 100% child abuse, but that is designed to artificially inflate transgender numbers. That is purely what that is about. That is not about fulfilling the child's true personality or anything else. That is purely about artificially creating more trans people in the United States than currently exist because, quite frankly, there aren't that many of them. There are some, but there aren't that many. And if you inflate that number, you increase their influence, their political power, and everything else. You get uh, more mainstream, right? So there is an actual nefarious goal to go out there and artificially pump these numbers up. And there is in the non-trans part of it in the other aspects of it as well. For example, after a week of indoctrination in Texas, and we, we played the Texas gay pride parade thing that happened at that elementary school that the kids were not supposed to tell the parents about. Why aren't you supposed to tell the parents about it? Why do you want to hide that from the parents? Huh? Faculty? Why don't you want the parents to know about the gay pride parade that happened at your school? Hmm? Got the kids participating in it. They're all forced to participate. Parents weren't allowed to know. Why would you hide that from the parents? And every single person out there knows the answer to that. You all know the answer to that. Because they want, they want to corner off these kids and isolate them away from the parents so they can brainwash them. That is what is happening. Now, I'll give you a perfect example. Nearly two-thirds of Texas fourth graders have now come out as LGBTQ after indoctrination week. Now, do you think fourth graders have any dang idea what the heck any of this is? We're talking about 10 and 11-year-olds. They don't know. They don't know. Okay? And as I've told you before, there's going to be a large chunk of millennials because they say that millennials now, automatically, for the first time in history, millennials are like, yeah, yeah, we're LGBTQ. Um, this is, when you factor in all LGBTQ, you're talking about like 1% of the population. You know, it's like 1% to 4%. And, and the 4% are usually outliers, like 1%. Okay, and now all of a sudden, like 20 to 30 percent of millennials identify as LGBTQ. Right. They're going to put themselves in the Q category, but they're never going to live that lifestyle. It will it will never happen, but they will like to belong to the group. And so you manipulate children this way. Oh, don't you want to be LGBTQ? Yay. And oh, okay. so now you're LGBTQ. The kid isn't. The kid doesn't know yet. When they develop. They will decide where they fit in that, that, dare I say, spectrum, okay? They will figure out where that is. But this is not at all in any way, shape, or form real. 20 out of 32 kids in, their, in her fourth grade class are LGBTQ. Nope, not real. 100% lie. Those kids don't understand that. But this is why you don't allow the brainwashing at a young age. You have to wait until the person understands what is actually happening for them to be able to make a decision on where they belong in this, again, this world of sexuality and what have you. They have to develop. They have to formulate what they like and what they don't like. Adults are now steering them so they can artificially inflate this. Why do you think you see rainbow flags in all of these elementary school classrooms? Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's totally innocent. Brainwashing. Exactly. 
Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Wait, no, nuh-uh. Hold on a second. No, that's not real. Somebody on my Discord server is saying that Alice Cooper is is in the area. Is Alice Cooper in the area? What? I know he lives near here, yeah. But he, he just did a, a tour date in Michigan. Are they back? At the Morris? I'm missing my opportunity to see Nita Strauss? Oh, I'm angry now. See, this is... Folks, this is why you don't have families, okay? Because then you can't go see Alice. He's at the Morris. Okay. At 7.30? All right. Anybody who's going to Alice Cooper tonight, if you can get an autograph from Nita Strauss to me, I would be greatly appreciative. Okay? Buck Cherry's going to be there too? The guys who had that one good song? Awesome. Yeah, Buck Cherry. Woo. I mean, okay, they've had more than one good song. There's only one song that I actually know from Buck Cherry, okay? I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Now, Alice Cooper is great, but um, most of the, the live stream knows that I'm a big fan of Nita Strauss, and she's his tour guitarist, uh, and she is phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. And her solo work is just, we play her solo work on the show all the time. So if you're going to be there um, and you find a way to get me an autograph uh, from Nita Strauss, I would be... Super grateful. I don't know how I would pay you for it, but I would be eternally grateful if you could do that because I I am really upset that I missed that. I hadn't been looking because they were just in the area a few months ago. So if you go to Alice Cooper tonight, have a good time and just know that um, I I'm perpetually jealous of you. So there's that. All right, I got to talk about this story. I've known about this story now for several days since the day it happened. And I'm just, I'm going to let some people know right off the get-go, do not go find the video of this. And I mean that. Do not go find the video of this, okay? There are lots of videos that are available online. Do not go find them. There was a 14-year-old boy. You know the story I'm talking about? In Orlando. You saw the video, Josh. like Josh is saying. Did you see the censored one or the uncensored one? Uncensored. Do not go find the video, okay? Don't. This is a horrible story. There's a 14-year-old kid, real big kid, 6'5". Um, he's, what, 340 pounds. Big, big kid, okay? But he's 14 years old. He goes to the, the Icon Park. Um, I was surprised it took me this long to talk about it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I've just, I've known about it since the day it happened. And I'm just like, it's one of those stories that you just, you just get done talking about a tragedy with a young person. It's like, last thing that you want to do is, is do it. You're heading into fair season. It's like, mm. so this kid's 14 years old. Okay. But he's, he's really big. He's six, five, he's 340 pounds. And the reason that that is relevant is because of the ride that he went on at icon park in Florida. So he gets on the ride. Uh, this is the this this is the ride that basically you sit in it, it shoots you straight up, right? Or you go straight up and then you drop down like a free fall, but it's controlled. And you know it's a fun ride. Like I've I've done rides like this before, and the 
they came out with a follow-up for the investigation. They're saying that the seat was still locked um, after he died. Now, what ended up happening, he was told he couldn't, from what I understand, he was told he couldn't get on the ride several times. Eventually found somebody who let him on, and he got on. And this has, you know, one of those ratcheting shoulder harnesses that come down like you get on roller coasters. And it came down. The kid is so big, it didn't lock tight enough. And right before the ride was really getting going, it was just starting to take off, you, you can hear people in some of the videos saying, hey, you need to check that harness. Like, that's not tight. His friend who was next to him said he was panicking the entire way up. He knew he wasn't secured in place. As he goes up in the ride, because this is not, you know, this is a relatively slow thing. Um, and, and then it comes down, he's fine. Because now when you come down, of course, you're floating up. Well, he floats up into the shoulder harness. The problem is, is at the end of the ride, the ride stops. And that's where your momentum goes from being pushed up to being pushed down. The kid shot right out underneath the chest harness. Um, and was, I'm going to say this as delicately as I can. Thank God didn't feel anything. Um, he hit really hard. Um, we're talking about, I don't know how fast this ride It's Okay. 75 miles an hour. So I want you to imagine what would happen to a human body at 75 miles an hour and then stopping and the body keeps going. He was squirted out of this seat underneath the chest harness. They did not have a belt harness that came between the legs and hooked up. I don't know why. That seems insane to me. Um, but because he wasn't properly secured, he, he, he squirted right out. And he hit the, uh, the ground and that little like uh, barrier wall that was right there, right in front of a bunch of people. Um, one of his relatives saw it happen. And just an absolutely horrible, horrible case. Okay, just horrible. And so they've now released a follow-up to this. They say that the seat was locked, because I guess there was some speculation the seat, like, unlocked. That wasn't it. There was just too much of a gap. He wasn't pushed down. You all know when you get in that seat, I always suck my stomach in. Like, when I'm on them, I always suck my stomach in as much as I can get that extra little click, you know what I mean, when you're getting in there. They couldn't do that. Kid's so big. Um, now his dad is, is raising the question, his dad, you know, how his dad found out about it? his dad found out about seeing the video, dude. You imagine finding out about your kid that way. And again, I need to stress this as much as I possibly can. Do not go find this video. It is easy to find. Do not go find it. It is awful. Absolutely awful. Um, and you've heard me say many, many times you can't be in the news business if you're not able to watch stuff like that. So, you know, it, the story broke. I'm like, okay, send me the video. Uh, I need to see it. And watched all the angles from it. And it's awful every, every possible way that you could think it would be awful. It's awful. Okay? This is a young, young man who lost his life because of, um, you could argue, negligence on the park. Uh, you could argue a design flaw. You can argue maybe he should have not pressed the issue so much when he had already been told that he wouldn't qualify to ride the ride, okay? There's some blame to go around, all right? But his dad is um, obviously raising the question on whether or not his son was too large to ride the ride and why was he able to find somebody who worked at that park that would let him on this ride? 
Uh, it's a fair question. No doubt that there's going to be a lawsuit and a settlement here. I do feel it's important just from a journalistic perspective to point out that the kid was denied several times to go on the ride, uh, according to reports, and found somebody finally, because, you know, they do the rotation of people at these rides, did find somebody who would let him on. Um, so he knew that there was a risk in getting on it because he wasn't allowed on it. And again, this is a 14-year-old kid who is 6'5 and 340 pounds. This is a big kid. Um, but he's also, I think you have to take into account, he's a 14-year-old kid who probably doesn't understand why he wouldn't be allowed to ride the ride. And maybe nobody took the time to explain it to him. But this is an absolutely horrible story. But I expect that this is going to change the way that rides, um, some of the safety standards that go into these rides. The rides that I do on this, they always they always have that buckle. Have you ever been on one of these things that doesn't have a buckle in, in the middle? You've never been on one, right? I haven't either. And apparently it's common for them to not have the buckle. I know. And if that buckle were there and it held, this kid's alive. He's probably hurting. But he's alive. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, like you have the, the machine metal harness that comes down over your shoulders. It locks into place. And then there's a, you know, a nylon seatbelt. That is connected to the frame of the seat, which comes up in between the legs and hooks onto the metal harness that is over your, your shoulders. So you can't slide out. And this kid is probably going to suffer some serious injuries if that is in place, but he's probably alive. And there wasn't a seatbelt at all. Um, they just had the chest harness. And that seems like a major design flaw. Uh, you think about all the ways that this could go wrong. I mean... Falling out from underneath that is, it, it's basic momentum science. Um, if you if you can slip out of your seatbelt without having a shoulder harness at certain speeds in your car, in a car accident, why wouldn't you assume the same thing could happen on a ride that goes 75 miles an hour, 400 some odd feet in the air? Um, the, it's just an awful story. I feel so bad for the family um, having to deal with this. And I mean, the people who are there, the, the second time I watched the video, I didn't, watch him i watched the people who witnessed it because i mean they have trauma now i mean for the rest of their lives seeing something like that um watching the absolute disbelief of everybody just sitting there watching this uh, just it's horrible absolutely and again please listen to what i'm saying here do not go find this video uh, it, it is it is one of the most disturbing videos that i have ever seen do not go find it uh, but stay up to date on this because i know that a lot of you go to the carnival's this is really why I'm doing this. I know it's a story in Florida. I know it's a it's a big story that's been going around, but um, a lot of you are going to go to carnivals and stuff like that. Maybe take an extra moment and make sure if there's a ride like this that there is a a harness that will come up from be you know between the legs and will actually keep you from slipping out, just in case. And it's it's something that is rare and we don't think about it a lot, but it seems like a really common sense sort of a thing that you would you know, have that harness in place uh, that comes up between the legs, but they didn't have it there. So a lot of you go to the fairs, you know, the various fairs that happen here. I would probably take a look at the various rides and the safety features that they have before you get on it or put your loved ones on it just in case. You never know. You never know when something can go wrong. I always think about years ago, there was a, uh, uh, one of the rides that, you know, they spin around, but they go really fast. Well, one of the things broke and launched the, the cart that the people were in. So basically it was like they got slingshotted right off of the, the ride. Of course, everybody in the cart died. Several people on the ground were injured. 
Um, it, that's what I always think about. I never really thought about this, but I've never been on one of these that didn't have the seatbelt harness that came up between the legs. So just do yourself a favor, take an extra minute to make sure before you or a loved one gets on a ride when you go to the fairs during fair season that there's an adequate safety precautions. Cause when I first got this job, that was when the state fair stage collapse happened and I hadn't yet been relocated here. Uh, so it was one of those things where I'd been hired, but I wasn't here yet, so I couldn't really talk about it. And that's kind of how my career started here. So I don't want to ever cover a story like that locally again if I can avoid it. But pay attention to the safety stuff when you go to the carnivals and, and the fairs. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, it, it, we we're just talking about this. This is an add-on to that. Josh and I were talking during the commercial break. I was saying, I don't remember which fair it was. I don't remember if it was St. Joe or Elkhart, but I was looking at the like the age of some of the equipment because they have like a some kind of a stamp on them somewhere, a plaque, what have you. And it's like, they're older than me. It's like, yeah, hard no, kid. You're not going on that one. You know, it's just... And I get it. They're maintained, and some people probably like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I no. Okay, at some point in time, even the best maintained equipment fails, and it's just yeah. maybe I'm being overly cautious, but I am okay with being overly cautious with my kids on that. That's the last thing that I would ever want to see. All right, uh, I, I published this story. If you go to theburningtruth.us, a reporter has been fired. So go to theburningtruth.us. A reporter has been fired. I published this one this afternoon. For covering a protest accurately. Don't laugh, Josh. This is your, this is your future, man. Your future is, is, you know, as a reporter, you're going to cover things accurately. You're going to lose your job. So this is uh, Jonathan Cho. Now, D- Jonathan Cho, you've heard me mention Jonathan Cho on this show before. He is a reporter for Como News in Seattle. Como News is their big news, their big local news there in Seattle. Uh, Used to be a really good outfit, man. They used to have this amazing reporter over there. I don't remember her name, um, but she was a real investigative journalist. She was real good. um, And just, I I don't know what ever happened to her. Not not sure. I haven't been to Washington in a long time. Uh, But he wrote an article on Medium that he was fired for how he covered a Proud Boys rally. So they had a Proud Boys rally in Seattle, and he went there, and he covered it. And all he did, like, you can go and look at his actual reporting on it and the videos that he posted and the pictures that he posted. It's it's just him literally being there and just documenting what happened. Well, the Proud Boys rally was peaceful. There was no violence. There was, you know, nothing happening. He documented that. Uh, He he said it point blank. uh, No violence, no, no incidents other than... You know, a few people flipping them off and flipping him off and that sort of thing. But, you know, other than that, n- nothing significant happened. They just marched. They they had their flags. They marched. They were uh, playing a, a song over some speakers that somebody had was, was carrying with them. And that was basically it, right? Real simple kind of vanilla report. The problem is, is that when you're talking about the Proud Boys, you have to demonize them. And you have to, you have to somehow, some way, make the story about how the Proud Boys did something violent. And we we had this happen in Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you who don't remember, the Proud Boys had a rally in Kalamazoo, Michigan 
what, a year or two ago, year and a half ago? It was during COVID, but it was at one of the points where I wasn't yet in the studio anymore. And so they had this, this rally in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And the Proud Boys were accused by the police chief and the mayor and local politicians of, it, of starting violence in Kalamazoo. So fisticuffs broke out and some violence broke out and that sort of thing. And the Proud Boys were accused of starting all of this. The problem is, and I came on this show and I said, look, I, here's, here's what I'm seeing in all of the video because it was all streamed online. Every single video that I saw from the Proud Boys side and from the other side was that the other side initiated the violence. Every single video that I saw, I couldn't find one. And I asked the audience, can you find one or do you have something that shows the Proud Boys started this? Because you have all of the local officials there saying that the Proud Boys are responsible. Well, they weren't. And we actually interviewed a member of the Proud Boys, happens to be a black man. We're told that the Proud Boys are a white supremacist group. How could this black man be a part of the Proud Boys? And on the on this show, he said, yeah, about a third of our membership are non-white. So and if you go and you look at their their principles and stuff, and I'm not I'm not saying that you need to like the Proud Boys. I mean, they do in various points. They do get rambunctious. There are fights that happen. Uh, they have rival groups, Antifa, things like that. And Antifa is a violent group. So I, I get it. People are not really happy with either side. OK, I'm not. Uh, my my job is to tell you the truth about what I see. And the Proud Boys are not a white supremacist group. Clearly not. Uh, they're not a hate group of any time. I've already told you the history of the Proud Boys before and, and how they got started. They got started as a joke, for crying out loud. Uh, the problem was is that they were attacked. They were physically assaulted in New York City. And Antifa decided that they were going to consistently attack the Proud Boys because of who Gavin McGinnis was. And Gavin McGinnis is... Um, libertarian commentator um and he's he does an interesting show i i've told you before i listen to gavin mcginnis uh, semi-regularly i haven't listened to him in a little while but um i like gavin i think he's humorous and he's been falsely accused of being a white supremacist a lot he's not his wife is not white his wife is native american his children are mixed he's clearly not a white supremacist uh proud boys are not led by a white man at all the accusations against them are just untrue now if you do want to say that the proud boys now are a little quick to violence, that's fair, all right? If you want to say that, in some respects, sometimes they do they do um, get a little quick to violence when Antifa is around, but that's because they're mortal enemies and a lot of people have now taken to their rival gangs and that sort of thing. But they're not a white supremacist organization. That's the point. And oftentimes the Proud Boys are, are accused of starting violence when, in fact, they are the victims of violence. So Jonathan Cho for Como News in Seattle covered their rally in Seattle in which there was no violence. So he published the video. He published the uh, the images. He, he said there was no violence. Basically, the thing went off without a hitch. And he was fired. He was fired as a result of it. Now, this is the same Jonathan Cho who was harassed by Antifa just a couple of weeks ago for reporting on the homeless problem in Seattle right in front of City Hall. He had been stalked and harassed, and there has been a public campaign against Jonathan Cho, another Asian journalist, like Andy No, an Asian journalist. There is a public smearing campaign by Antifa in Seattle. So Seattle and Portland have this organized Antifa effort 
to smear what seems like an endless supply of Asian journalists who cover what they do accurately. And they get them fired or attacked or what have you. So he, he posted his story on Medium. And I just want to remind everybody, this is a guy just a couple of weeks ago was harassed by Antifa. And they have a whole public relations push now. And Andy No actually published um, a lot of the tweets. He screenshot them accusing this Asian journalist of being a white supremacist. Remember, leftists now say Asians are white. And he is, he's, by the way, liberal. He's not conservative. (laughs) But he's now lost his job as a result of Antifa falsely smearing him simply because he covered a rally that was nonviolent. And he said it was a nonviolent rally. But because it was the Proud Boys, he naturally had to be fired. MNC News Time is 4.33. Time to check out Impressed Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. All right, we got to talk about vegetables. No, it's not a balance of nature livery. we got to talk about Joe Biden. There's that one guy who really doesn't... Were you here for that, that call? That guy didn't like me calling him the vegetable in chief? Well, okay, he was upset that Dan Bongino called him a vegetable one day. And I was like, oh, I didn't know Dan was doing that. I call him the vegetable in chief. Because uh, I think Dan listens to my show. But he was really, really not happy. Felt it was very disrespectful. Sorry. it's He's a vegetable. Look, if Joe Biden were a decent human being who were in cognitive decline, that would be a different, st- different story. Uh, Joe Biden has been a human pile of crap his entire life. So I don't really care. You know, it, and here's the thing. I think most of you who have listened to me for any length of time understand that I don't really attack anybody who doesn't attack other people. The only time I do attack people and make it very personal is when they do that to other people. And I, I always use Ro Khanna as an example of that. I disagree with Ro Khanna about everything. Ro Khanna is a decent human being. And I don't think you've ever heard me call Ro Khanna a name, ever. Uh, I just disagree with him wholeheartedly. I would say when he's wrong. But he's, he's just one that comes up on a regular basis. But people who do awful things don't deserve your respect. And, and it doesn't matter what their position is in life. And I, I know that there, there used to be, and a lot of people want to get back to this, there used to be this decorum because of the office. Like, I will respect the office of the presidency, even if I don't respect the president. I don't know what that means. Okay? Uh, the guy who's in the White House right now is a lying pile of crap who continues to lie on a daily basis. You know what his latest move is? Do you have any idea what Joe Biden's latest move is? Anybody? Have you heard about his latest move there? No? In the middle of an energy crisis and price spikes, you know that he's looking at raising taxes on the oil and gas industry? How's that going to help? What do you think? You think he's going to blame Putin for that one too? It's Putin's fault that I raised your taxes. Right. Here's the story. Biden calls for raising taxes on oil drillers amid energy crisis. Joe Biden's budget uh, proposal, it proposes to scrap more than $45 billion in fossil fuel subsidies, his administration's latest attack on the beleaguered industry. So that raises their taxes. Now, for the record, I am all for getting rid of all subsidies, okay, across the board for everything. I really am. However. There's a time and a place to do that, and you don't do it in the middle of an energy crisis where the price of gas and and oil is going through the roof and it is squeezing your economy. 
That is not the right way to do things. The White House budget will remove more than a dozen fossil fuel industry tax credits, increasing the federal government's revenue by an estimated $45.2 billion uh, for ten over 10 years. According to the proposal, the administration explained that the proposal was written to prevent further fossil fuel investment. I'm sorry. The administration said what? This is Vladimir Putin's fault. If you're paying attention, you're a leftist out there. The administration explained that the proposal was written to prevent further fossil fuel investment. What does preventing further fossil fuel investment mean? Higher energy costs. Higher gasoline costs. So while this guy is speaking out of his left butt cheek to all of you, that it's Putin's fault that things are so expensive right now, I'm trying to lower the price on his right butt cheek. He's telling you that he's intentionally attacking the energy industry again. Trying to, once again, raise the price of oil and gas. Because this is all intentional. If you don't see that, you're dumb. This is all intentional, and it is designed to drive you away from a gasoline vehicle because these snobbish elites who sniff their farts on the weekends with each other do not understand that you all don't have access to mass transit, and it's not practical in the vast majority of the country. This is the Department of the Treasury in its general budget explanation. Quote, these oil, gas, and coal tax preferences distort markets by encouraging more investment in the fossil fuel sector. (laughs) We don't want to encourage investment in the the fossil fuel sector, guys, because we don't want cheap energy. It's all Vladimir Putin's fault. Joe Biden, I don't know how else to say it, his brain turned off when he was in Poland. So this guy goes out there, uh, did you did you hear him tell the 82nd Airborne that they're going to go to the Ukraine? Thank you, my audio. This is your vegetable in chief telling one of the elite units of the United States military that they were going to be going into Ukraine. And you're going to see when you're there. Some of you have been there. You're going to see. You're going to see women, mm. young people mm. standing standing mm. in the middle of mm. front of a damn mm. tank, mm. just saying, "I'm not leaving." Mm. Yeah. Okay, uh, the 82nd Airborne is like, yo, we're going to Ukraine? What did he just say? Now, he had that gaffe. Um, what is the other thing? Where, where's the other story here? Um, he called for regime change, called for Putin to be taken out, which is something that they had been attacking everybody else for saying, right? They were attacking everybody else for saying uh, that there need to be regime change. The White House is disavowing all of that. Now Joe Biden goes out and does it. Then you have, you've got everybody walking back all of the stuff he said. He would not rule out a first strike nuclear assault, by the way. You catch that one? You catch Joe Biden refusing to rule out a nuclear first strike on Russia? I don't know. If you're trying to get Vladimir Putin to kind of chill out about his red button rhetoric, maybe, maybe don't do that. So then uh, the Pentagon and the administration, they basically correct all of his errors. And like, no, 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 no. He didn't mean regime change. No, he's not sending the 82nd Airborne into Ukraine. No, we're not going to attack Russia with nuclear weapons. Like they walk all of this back. And then what does Joe Biden do? He gives a press conference and he goes, 
Well, none of those even happened except for the regime change one, and I don't regret saying it. So they admonished people who said they want a regime change in Russia. Then he called for regime change in Russia. Then they said that he didn't call for regime change in Russia or didn't mean to. Then he said it didn't happen. Then he said it did happen, and I don't regret it. You know how foolish we look right now? And I I understand that there's a lot of people out there who don't really keep up on this. I get it. And I know that a lot of people have been talking about this over the past couple of days. Why I'm not playing you a bunch of sound bites. But this is... This guy is a mess, okay? He is an absolute, unmitigated disaster. There is no ifs, ands, buts, or denying it. In the midst of telling you that he's not responsible for the price of of oil and gas... He is specifically calling for the price of oil and gas to be increased at a time that he says it's all Vladimir Putin's fault. And he's got a bunch of brain-dead oxygen thieves out there who buy into it. Got 30 TikTokers to go tell all of their brain-dead oxygen thief followers that this was going on. That's all Vladimir Putin's fault. I'm not doing anything. I'm not responsible for the record high gas prices. They're at seven-year highs before Putin invaded Russia, uh, Putin invaded Ukraine. I'm not uh, responsible for the 40-year high inflation that was in place and already been broken that record several times before Russia invaded Ukraine. I'm not responsible for anything. That's all Vladimir Putin's fault. I'm trying to lower the price of oil and gas. Oh, by the way, here's my new budget proposal, which would increase the price of oil and gas. And we want to disincentivize investment in the fossil fuel industry. Well, what does disincentivizing investment in the fossil fuel industry do? Raises the price of fossil fuels. And what are we supposed to do with that? This is all intentional. Every single, this is great reset to a T. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Here we go. Am I on? I can't hear myself in my cheap headphones. Sorry. It's really, it's not Josh's fault. He's done nothing wrong. I'm just in $5 headphones and they're crap. (laughs) Because my good one's broke. And I can't hear myself. Joe Biden appeared to be unaware that his surrogates had spent a fair amount of time cleaning up or walking back things that he said while in Europe to bolster allies and discuss the next moves With regard to Ukraine, Biden, who appeared to tell troops that they were headed to Ukraine, suggested that the United States might retaliate with a chemical weapon if Russia used one first. He alluded to the possibility of regime change in Russia. He also ruled out the possibility of an initial first strike with nuclear weapons. Each time, the White House had to issue clarifications after the president's comments. But on Monday, the commander-in-chief also appeared to be completely unaware that his team had amended any of those statements, uh, asking uh, Ducey, what's getting walked back? So Peter Ducey's like, well, you know, your administration's been walking back all of the crap you said in Europe. And he's like, what's getting walked back? Ducey asked Biden if he was worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. Biden responded, what's getting walked back? Uh, So Ducey, of course, went through everything. 
Uh, Joe Biden interjected, denying that that had happened at all. None of these three occurred. And Ducey says none of the three occurred? None of the three. You interpret the language that way, Biden said. This is, this is a constant tactic of, of the left. The things that I said don't mean what I said because you don't understand what I meant when I said what I said. So it's really what I meant to say, not what I actually said. So, for example, if I looked at somebody who's a coworker here and I said, you are gay, which I'm allowed to do now. Thank you, liberal Hollywood. And I go, you're gay. And they take offense to that. And they go, I'm sorry, you, you can't say that. that that's a, an HR violation. You can't call me gay. And, and I go, well, I, I didn't call you gay. And they would go, no, but you, you said that I was, I was gay. And I said, but that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say the flowers on your desk are beautiful. And they would go, no, that's not what you said. You said I was gay. I was like, but that's not what I meant. So you're interpreting my language incorrectly. You realize that's what Joe Biden just did to Peter Ducey. Publicly in front of everybody. Just because you have flowers on your desk does not make you gay, by the way. And there's nothing wrong with being gay. Just throwing that out there. Ladies, sometimes you guys want flowers too, okay? Especially since we all know you're wrong most of the time. He shouldn't be getting you the flowers. Pointing that out. But he's denying that he even did any of that, right? He's got no regrets. So he denied any of those occurred. And then in the next sentence, he's like, you know, uh, well, to be honest, Putin shouldn't be in power. People like this shouldn't run countries. It's like, you just denied that it happened. (laughs) You just denied that it happened. And then you repeated what you said in Europe. And here's the thing. There is one adult in the room, ladies and gentlemen. One. What is his name? Say his name. You ready? Emmanuel Macron. Emmanuel Macron. That did not sound French at all. Look, I I really hated French in high school, and then I realized, well, I didn't realize, I learned recently that I am actually French royalty uh, on one half of my family, so I feel like I need to get the French thing down, but I made him sound like he was Colombian. So I I, I apologize to the Colombians, and I apologize to the French. <laughs> Emmanuel Macron has been out there as the one world leader who has been working on this conflict from day one. And that is the truth. He is the one guy. Josh, does he or does he not meet with him? Putin almost every day. Almost every single day. It annoys Putin to no end. But guess what? Putin shows up. He shows up. And then he berates Macron to the press. He's like, Macron is out here wasting my time. But I'm here. Okay. (laughs) This is all true. And Macron went out there and he said, He blasted Biden for his provocative anti-Putin rhetoric. If a ceasefire is to be brokered, we must not escalate neither through words nor actions. Macron's the only guy trying. He's the only one. We are not the leader of the free world. The French guy is. Let that settle in for just a little bit. The guy in France leads the free world today. More coming up, 95.3 MNC.
and good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Are you laughing because when I scooch forward, it sounds like I'm ripping a big old fart? Is that why you're laughing? It happened with uh, with the new girl. Amelia was in here, too. And it was like, I scooch forward. And it's like, oh, man, it's not me. But then it was you know, at another, another time. But <clears throat> you get older, okay, and you have things. Your stomach doesn't handle it very well. You just got to deal with it. And we're locked in this studio together. All right, see if this um, see if this freaks not freaks anybody out. Let's see if this raises any alarm bells in your head. A reporter claimed that Joe Biden had the most foreign policy experience of any president who has ever held this office. Does that set off any alarm bells for anybody? Anybody's spidey sense tingling a little bit? I know some of your younglings out there. Some of you may not be history buffs or history stewards, okay? But there's there's got to be a few of you out there that are going, huh? So this is the quote. Joe Biden has more foreign policy experience than any president who has ever held this office. Uh, that reporter is paid for with your tax dollars, by the way, because they're a reporter for PBS. So... <laughs> Way to go on that hiring job, PBS. Anybody? Who might have more experience than Joe Biden? Any anybody? Well, I, let's let's see. Um, the first one that popped into my head was Eisenhower. You remember Eisenhower? What did Eisenhower do before he was president? Anyone? Anyone? Let's see. He was he was governor of what Germany, right? You think he was governor of Germany? Um, he was the, uh, obviously the commander of allied forces in world war two and the European theater. So yeah, I think he's got more foreign policy experience than you. There's a bunch of presidents who had way more foreign policy experience than Joe flipping Biden, but go figure. Oh man, what are you gonna do? What are you these these folks? They have they have no idea what they're even saying. No idea what they're saying. So Twitter handled it. Uh, Twitter was able to nail the guy to the wall. Here's a few of their responses. Uh, Eisenhower served between forty three and fifty two as Supreme Allied Commander in Europe, military governor of Germany. Hey, I got it right, Germany. Uh, NATO Supreme Commander. Some may say that that was. Uh, a significant foreign policy time in American history. John Quincy Adams served as his father's secretary from 1778. He was 11 years old to 1781 in France and the Netherlands. Then he went to Russia with Francis Dana at 14, served as his secretary. Then he was our ambassador to the Netherlands and Russia from 1797 to 1801. So, hey. That probably is more foreign policy experience. George H.W. Bush. Remember George H.W. Bush? Remember that guy? No new taxes, that dude. George H.W. Bush. What? Read my lips. No new taxes. Here's a tax hike. Um, and here's the thing. Like, I get why Republicans rebelled on that, but man, was that a mistake. If you had held the line on that one, who knows what could have been. George H.W. Bush, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, but he was ambassador to the United Nations. He was ambassador to China. He was vice president. Okay, remember, he was vice president, but he also headed up the CIA. 
I would count that as foreign policy experience. I would, I would count heading the CIA as foreign policy experience. That's just me, though. Thomas Jefferson, obviously, would, would um, extensive foreign policy experience. But, you know, again, Twitter did its thing. But PBS, good for you. Good for you for that hire. That's <laughs> a CIA veteran who signed the Hunter Biden laptop letter got into a spat with uh, Richard Grinnell of the uh, former Trump administration. His name is John Cipher. He retired in 2014. He was 28-year career as the CIA's National Clandestine Service, and he's one of the dozens of former intelligence officers who claimed that the laptop story, quote, has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Remember they signed that letter? And none of them have apologized for getting that one wrong. None of them. Remember, the laptop was confirmed to be Hunter Biden's in October of 2020, and the New York Times now acknowledges that it was real, and now we're learning all sorts of things about the laptop because now the floodgates have been opened. But he got into a spat with Richard Grinnell, and he sarcastically took credit for his deception, altering the course of the election. So even though he got busted lying to everybody by falsely claiming with no evidence whatsoever that this was a Russian intelligence operation. Somebody pointed out that you probably steered the election as a result of that lie. And he goes, well, I'm glad that I did. Now, isn't that nice? You got a former CIA operator who is happy that his deception led to the outcome of an election that would have likely not happened the other way around had he just stayed out of it. He's proud of that. It's, I mean, it's a very CIA characteristic type thing to do. I mean, let's be honest, but that's what they do. They lie to people in order to manipulate elections. So I, I guess he would be proud, but he didn't catch why people are upset about that because see, we're used to the CIA doing that in other countries, but when the CIA does it here, suddenly he doesn't understand why people are upset. Then there's a study that came out that shows that Biden got 255,000 excess votes in fraud-tainted swing states in 2020. Joe Biden received hundreds of thousands of excess votes in Democratic-controlled areas in the 2020 election, according to an academic study on voter fraud that suggests the push to relax voting standards created new opportunities for electoral mischief. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. The data looked at six swing states. The data was crunched and found that voter turnout in Republican areas increased from 2016 to 2020, while voter turnout among Democrats dropped, except in places where voter fraud was claimed. And this was something that was actually highlighted uh, quite a bit in various districts in Pennsylvania, Michigan, some other places that people have now forgotten about. But this is one of those things where the voter turnout was so high in those areas that it was higher than it had ever been in the history of the area. And what was written off by the news media is, well, you know, COVID. But none of that made any sense. There was clearly something nefarious happening. So that accounted for, according to the research, 255,000 excess votes for Joe Biden above what would be expected. Hmm, interesting. More heavily Democratic counties actually had a slightly lower turnout 
in 2020. This was something that we kept telling you. Um, it was mathematically impossible for Joe Biden to have won without fraud. The only thing that would have allowed Joe Biden to win is if Republicans had abandoned Donald Trump and gone to Democrats, which did not happen. And friendly reminder, Donald Trump was more popular among the Republican base than even Ronald Reagan at the time of the election. So there was no mass exodus of Republicans away from Donald Trump. It just simply didn't take place. Mathematically impossible for Biden to have won. Uh, more heavily, Democratic counties actually had a slightly lower turnout in 2020, except for counties where vote fraud was alleged. In those counties, you had a huge increase in turnout, well beyond any traditional norms. In some of the swing states, you had counties where vote fraud was alleged. In some of those swing states, you had counties where vote fraud wasn't alleged. And yet, you only had huge increases in turnout where the vote fraud was alleged. Interesting stuff. So, interesting research. 255,000 excess votes in fraud-tainted swing states. That's only swing states. It's not nationwide. So, pretty interesting, if true. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Yeah, we were just we were going over the uh, the headphone situation. I think somebody was joking about my headphones, and I've had a bad like this is the week that all of my headphones go to die. Um, I, I lost yesterday in the middle of the show. My good headphones that I wear for my show broke, and a couple of days before that, I had gone to Sonic, and Sonic has those styrofoam cups. Which Sonic, you should probably get rid of the styrofoam cups, like they suck. And I put it in my drink carrier something was in there punctured the bottom of it so my my drink carrier filled up with my drink and in there were my my i have like a car set of headphones and they were sony's and they're gone they got buried in drink so it's that's why i'm rocking the five dollar five below headphones right now on the other hand if you need cheap headphones and you need backups uh, five below has tons of them they just don't sound very good but they work, they function, and people no Beats. No, Beats headphones are trash. I'm sorry, they're garbage, they're hot garbage. I will not wear Beats headphones. Not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what else do we have here? Well, oh, this is interesting. This is a good one. I like this. A Louisiana court has ruled that Black Lives Matter can be sued by people who are injured in the violent BLM riots, which the news media says... Never happened. The Louisiana Supreme Court ruled that Black Lives Matter organizers can be sued by those injured during the violent riots that have left that have taken place as a result of the organization, according, according to the post-millennial. Uh, let's see. The Baton Rouge police officer will be permitted to continue with a lawsuit against BLM organizer DeRay Mackison. 
Uh, the unnamed officer was struck by an object during a riot in 2016 and is still seeking legal reparations for his severe injuries. I love the fact that they used reparations. I love that. I love that phraseology. Okay. Report suggests that the officer identified in a lawsuit as John Doe instead of by name claims that he was seriously wounded after demonstrators began to loot a Circle K for water bottles. The demonstration was part of a larger demonstration in the aftermath of the police killing of Alton Sterling. As the police arrested the thieves and the rioters, their comrades began to throw water bottles at the officers. But running out of water bottles, the rioters then turned to throwing concrete and bricks, as they frequently do in Antifa and BLM riots. When the defendants ran out of the water bottles, they were throwing throwing at the Baton Rouge City Police. A member of the defendant, uh, Black Lives Matter, then picked up a piece of concrete or similar rock-like substance and hurled it into the police that were making the arrests. The plaintiff was knocked to the ground. He repeatedly lost several teeth and suffered severe injuries to his skull and his jaw. Well, um, Mackison, the organizer of the riot, is the defendant and will face charges of criminal conspiracy. How's that for precedent? Now, let me ask you this question. If a police officer who was injured as a result of Black Lives Matter riots can sue, then certainly civilians who were injured as a result of those riots can sue. And certainly business owners who took damages as a result of those riots could sue. Get my drift? Maybe that's why Black Lives Matter is hiding that 60-plus million dollars that they're not giving to anybody and they're trying to launder. Maybe there's something to that. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who objectively looked fantastic the other night. I'm, I'm sorry. I know that I know that y'all don't want to like her, but when she cleans up, she cleans up, guys. Okay? This is the truth. She does. A watchdog is suing the Federal Elections Commission, and the reason that they're suing the Federal Elections Commission is they dismissed a campaign finance violation complaint about AOC. What is it with the squad and campaign finance violations? It's almost like they're Marxists or something. A government watchdog group has filed a lawsuit against the Federal Election Commission this week, alleging that the agency wrongly dismissed the group's 2019 complaint that Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat of New York, violated campaign contribution limits. The National Legal and Policy Center accused Ocasio-Cortez's campaign in 2019 of improperly using its campaign funds. The 36-page complaint filed with the FEC alleges that the campaign treasurer, Frank Llewellyn, and former chief of staff, uh, Chaikat Sakrabarti, probably butchered that, I apologize, specifically funneled more than $1 million of campaign funds into their own companies. A little suspect. Little suspect there. You got two people working for the campaign who take campaign funds and siphon it off to their own companies. Those companies, in turn, then donated thousands of dollars to Ocasio-Cortez's campaign, according to the complaint. The group also alleged that the two political action committees, Brand New Congress and Justice Democrats, violated the $5,000 contribution limit to federal candidates and donated more to Ocasio-Cortez's campaign than they were allowed, which, by the way, records show that they did. So, what have we learned? 
Nothing really surprising. But what we have learned is that if your name is Dinesh D'Souza, you will go to prison for doing this. If you are literally anybody else, you will not even face charges. That's what we learned. That's that's it. <laughs> we didn't learn anything else. You realize Obama violated campaign finance laws more than Dinesh D'Souza did, and Obama just got a tiny little fine? That's <laughs> just... <laughs> Oh man, I, you got it. You got to love the system. You got to. I know you hate it, but it's. I'm being facetious. You obviously understand that. Uh, let's take a look at the latest in uh, asinine Russophobia stuff. So, uh, Josh, you missed it yesterday. Yesterday, the latest in Russophobia is that Russia is no longer allowed to participate in the international tree competition. That'll show. In Germany, Germany has now banned the display of the symbol Z. Because presumably, if you show the symbol Z, you are actually supporting the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Because some of the Russian vehicles, depending on where they entered the country, have a Z on them. So it's now banned. In, in a free society, you can't have Z. So if you're Zorro, you're host, by the way. If you're Zorro and you're vacationing in, in uh, Germany, you are absolutely host. It is now a crime in Germany for you to have Z displayed anywhere. I'm waiting for some company in Germany to get swept up in this nonsense as a result. Uh, there was just a gymnastics competition, too, and a Russian was competing against a Ukrainian. The Russian came in third. The Ukrainian won. I'm sure the judges were totally not biased, by the way. And the Russian gymnast had a little Z on his onesie. He had a little Z on his onesie supporting the war in Ukraine. And <laughs> he's been admonished by everybody. But see, here's the thing. Like, look, it's okay if you don't like the war in Ukraine or how Russia is behaving, that's fine. And again, people in the West have no idea what the war is actually about. Okay. I, I gave a synopsis of what the war is actually about in the early show today. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. So you can learn the real history of why this conflict is even happening uh, because it isn't just Ukraine was minding its own business and Russia wanted to take, take over Ukraine. That ain't what's going on. That is not what is happening at all in any way, shape or form. Um, but it is okay for people to love their country. You're allowed to. What if that gymnast has family that is fighting in Ukraine and he wants to support his family that are over there and doesn't want them to die, wants them to win so they can come home? How about what, what about that? Did anybody ask him that? I don't know if anybody asked him that. He's Russian. He's allowed to be proud of his country. You may disagree with him. That is okay. But he is allowed to be proud of his country. So he's being admonished. Uh, you've got the German, the whole nation of Germany banning the display of any symbol Z, which I'm sure will totally work out well for them. I, What can I say? The Germans sure are a free democracy, aren't they? <laughs> but at least Russia won't be able to compete in the international tree competition. So at least there's, at least there's that. No word on the... Uh, 
the Medvedev, the, the tennis player, the number one tennis player in the world. No word. I, I don't seen an update. Is he, is he allowed to compete in Wimbledon, sports guy? I don't know. He's not allowed to compete in Wimbledon because he's Russian. Those darn Russians and their cheating ways. What do you do to cheat in tennis? It's a genuine question that I have. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, MNC News Time, 5.33. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. We were trying to figure out how we can get Zuckerberg to wear a giant white Z like a Superman symbol and go to Germany and see what happens to him. Because you can't, you can't do that anymore. You can't wear a big old giant Z if you go to go to Germany because you know now you're like like a Nazi or something. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Zuck will take me. You know, I will get Zuck. I will give you a shiny five dollar bill if you do it. When was the last time Zuckerberg earned a shiny five dollar bill for actually doing something risky? I think you know these rich people get bored, dude. I think we can get Zuck to wear a giant white Z and go to Germany and see what happens. Please do this. I know it won't happen, but boy, do I want it to happen. All right. In another example of I told you so, hashtag told you, 953MNC.com right now, Michigan municipalities and counties are going to get, are you ready for this? Millions of dollars from marijuana. Hey, man, who could have predicted that? More than $42 million will be distributed among municipalities and counties as a part of Michigan's Regulation and Taxation of Marijuana Act. 62 cities, 15 villages, 33 townships, and 53 counties will be getting payments from the Marijuana Regulation Fund. That is $56,400 for every licensed retail store and micro-business located within its jurisdictions. I'm hoping that that only goes to places where you can legally sell marijuana. All of those places that ban the sale of marijuana, I support your right to not have it. You should not get a red cent from any of this. Aside from the disbursements to municipalities and counties, more than $49 million was sent to the school aid fund for K-12 education and another $49 million to the Michigan Transportation Fund uh, so that way Gretchen Whitmer does not actually have to divert more money to the highway fund or the road funds like she had promised to do when she campaigned. So, <clears throat> good to know she gets to break another promise. Isn't that nice? It's so nice. Oh, man. Everybody who opposed marijuana can suddenly be like, yo, we're rolling in it. <clears throat> we're rolling in it while we roll it. Roll it, smoke it, rolling it. That's how it goes in Michigan nowadays. It's, I got out of there just, just the right time because I avoided Gretchen Whitmer and her tyranny. Just at the wrong time because I missed, missed the marijuana stuff. So, All right, folks. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. You know what I miss? I miss winning. I miss winning. We haven't won anything since Joe Biden has been around, I was just going over some finances with my wife today. I'm like, man, stolen elections have consequences, okay? <laughs> Things suck. 
we were going over it and we're like, we're not over, we're not overspending. We're not like, uh, you know, buying crap that we don't need. It's we're not doing any of that. And my wife is like, no, I'm looking at the account right now. It, it is groceries and gas. That's what's doing it. Hundred percent groceries and gas. And yup, I, I looked at it. She is hundred percent right. Um, usually when we start getting wonky with finances because somebody's going off of the rail spending, nope, that's not happening. It's just groceries and gas. But you know who hasn't stopped winning? Donald Trump. You know what Donald Trump did? You know what he did? You know. You know. Because you're the sports guy. You know. Ah, Josh is like, yeah, I know. Donald Trump drilled a 181-yard hole-in-one. What? What? North Korea doesn't know what to do. North Korea is like running really fast to kidnap somebody from South Korea to make a fake movie about Kim Jong-un hitting a hole-in-one, even though Kim Jong-un doesn't run the country anymore. Oh, man, they're desperately trying to do that. Here's Donald Trump sitting there with a red USA hat, just drills a 181-yard hole-in-one. And, and here's the thing. Caught on tape. We got proof it happened. We have proof it actually happened. Man, I miss winning so bad. So bad. Don't you miss winning, dude? I miss winning. We used to win everything under Donald Trump. They told us we were going to get tired of winning. I'll admit there was a lull. We're like, man, we just, we can't lose. And then, and then the fraud of 2020 happened. (laughs) He did, man. He drilled it. It's all caught on tape. I'll put it in the daily show prep for everybody. Hey, if you are a subscriber on Rumble... Go find the subscriber giveaway video. You must be a subscriber, and then you can comment on the video. We are giving a, a giveaway away. Yeah, giving a giveaway away. From SilverFoxArt.com, my uh, my studio sponsor for the early show. It is a, is a great piece of artwork. So definitely go check that out. Rumble.com slash Casey the Host. Daily show prep podcast and more. It's BurningTruth.us. There's Bill O'Reilly. We'll see you tomorrow.